But I want to ask you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Job. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. And I want to speak to you tonight about Jesus. Wait a minute, Brother Scott. You said turn to the book of Job. Yeah, I did. I want to talk to you about Jesus who lives to make intercession. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And as we look here in the book of Job, it gives us this startling revelation about a spiritual battle that takes place in a realm that we cannot see. Notice what it says here in Job chapter 1, beginning in verse number 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth evil, or feareth God rather, and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now look at chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holds fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, Yea, all that a man hath shall he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here this evening. Lord, for the opportunity to seek your word Lord, we do not want to waste this time. We want to truly concentrate and invest on what you're saying here to us, Lord, that you might be honored and glorified, held high where you deserve to be held. And Father, that we might understand how Christ 
works as our intercessor. And we pray and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture that I just read for you, there's some things that we notice. First, we notice that Satan has access to the throne room of God. The sons of God came and presented themselves to God, and Satan was among them. In fact, twice we saw that he came and had that presence, had that audience, if you will, with God. We notice also from these scriptures that Satan goes about on the earth. He said, to and fro, up and down, I'm moving about on the earth. 1 Peter 5 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And so as he's walking about and going up and down and to and fro, that's his activity, seeking whom he may devour. Devour And my, isn't he devouring so many lives that we see all around us in our day and time? Thirdly, we notice that God and Satan have discussions about God's people. God and Satan have discussions about God's people. In fact, sometimes God brings his children up to Satan, just like he did Job. Have you considered my servant Job? And it was high praise, wasn't it? It was really high praise. He's perfect. He fears me. He eschews evil. And I read that and I wondered, would God bring me up to Satan? Would God say, have you considered my servant Scott to the devil? Would God say that about any of us. In other words, I'm not sure because Job's life is really the only example we have, but are any of us a big enough threat <laughs> to Satan and what's going on that God... You know, basically, it appears to me God's bragging on Job here. This is one of mine, and he's a really good guy. I mean, he's really hitting the ball out of the park. Have you considered my servant Job? Now, we know that he wasn't perfect. We know that he was a sin, sinner just like all of us are. But man, he was really, really serving God. And I just wonder, would God bring me up to Satan? Would he bring you up to Satan? He did Job. We notice also that Satan may do harm to God's children. He can do that. He can actually do harm to the children of God. He can bring suffering into their life, but he has to have God's permission to do so. That's the way it worked with Job. God granted permission. But I want you to know that God sets the limits. God's the one that sets the limits. He did, we read it there in Job. At first he said, you can take all of his stuff, but leave him alone. Because Satan said, if, oh, if, he'll curse you to your face if you take all that stuff away from him. You've just been so good to him. That's the only reason he serves you. And then even after all of his stuff was taken away, Job kept on serving God. He, he didn't sin against God. He, he, he kept on going. And so if Satan comes back, he says, well, yeah, but if you do something to his physical, then it'll be over. He'll curse you to your face. And God said, he's in your hands. Do whatever you want. Just don't kill him. That was, God set the limit. And it says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able 
but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And so even in our lives, the things that God may permit Satan to bring against us, he's setting those limits. He's, he's saying, this is it. You can't go any further. So that's what we see in Job's life. Now, what does all that have to do with intercession? What does all that have to do with Jesus, who ever lives to make intercession for us? Well, you see, this work of God appearing before Satan and making accusation, there's false accusation against Job. Oh, it's only because you've given him all this stuff and been so good to him. If it weren't for that, he'd curse you to your face. And then, well, it's only because you've kept him healthy. Boy, if you, if you touch his health, then he'd surely curse you to your face. False accusations. And Satan continues to do that work. But the promise of the New Testament is that we have an intercessor. And his name is Jesus. Now I want you to look at a few examples with me tonight. Would you please turn to the book of Luke 22. Luke 22. I don't always have people turn to several different scriptures, but tonight we're going to look at three different, quickly, three different scriptures about this intercessory work of Christ on our behalf. I want you to notice in Luke 22 that Jesus interceded for Peter. Look at what it says here. Luke 22, verse number 31. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. When you're converted, strengthen thy brethren. So you see, just like Job, Satan approached God about Peter. And that's what Jesus revealed to him. He said, hey, Satan has desired you that he might sift you like wheat. He's coming after you just like he came after Job. But the difference between Peter and Job is that Peter did definitely fail in the moment. He definitely did. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it when he denied Christ. He failed in the moment. But ultimately, what was Jesus' prayer? I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And ultimately, Peter's faith did not fail because he repented. He, he wept in bitterness and he repented. He, he made the wrong choice. He sinned against God. He went the wrong direction in denying Christ. But he repented of that. And his faith did not fail. And when Peter was converted, when he learned what he needed to learn from the trial that he was sent through and the sifting that Satan brought into his life, he strengthened his brethren. God used him in a mighty way. And so, how much did Jesus' intercession have to do with Peter's victory? Well, I'd say everything. I'd say it had everything to do with it. But not only did he intercede for Peter, I want you to now turn to John 17. John chapter 17. And in John chapter 17, we find Jesus praying. And in his praying, 
He's doing that intercessory work. Notice what it says in John 17, verse number 9. I pray for them, Jesus says. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Then drop down to verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I love this. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified through the truth. And then look at this in verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So as Jesus prays this intercessory prayer for his disciples, he realizes, of course, that he's about to leave. He, this, he's about to die on the cross, and he's going to be put in the grave. He's going to raise again the third day, but his time with them is short. He's not going to be there much longer. And he's praying, Lord, I want you to work in their lives. Keep them on the right path. I want them to continue to serve you. They're in the world, Lord, but they don't have to be of the world. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. How much are you and I hungry for God's word and allowing it to do a sanctifying work within us? Oh, how precious it is. And then he said, but Lord, I, I'm not just praying for these guys. I'm praying for everybody that will believe because of their word. You know what that means? Jesus prayed for me. That day, Jesus interceded for me. And if you're a believer in Christ, he interceded for you as well, even while he was here, still in his earthly ministry, interceding. He did it for Peter. He did it for all the disciples and even us. And then let's look finally at Romans chapter 8. As you find your place in Romans chapter 8, you know what it means when a preacher says finally, right? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. Look at this. So he interceded for Peter. He interceded for the disciples and us even during his earthly ministry. But that intercessory work continues on and on. Verse 33 of Romans 8. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's interceding on our behalf. Satan has not stopped appearing before God and having these discussions about God's people. In fact, when we read in Revelation uh, chapter 10, it labels him there the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night. It's an ongoing onslaught that Satan brings against the children of God. In fact, the, 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 the name devil 
that we use for, for him. It's, it's diabolos, and, and that word means a slanderer, one who accuses, falsely accuses, and that's what Satan is doing against us in the presence of God, just like he did Job. Oh, if you take it away from him, he'll curse you to your face. Now, I want you to think for just a minute, though. Are Satan's accusations maybe sometimes true? I think so. I think, you know, remember now, this is all going on in a world that's past us that we don't see. But I think that there very well are some times that Satan has stood before God and said something about Scott Borland and it was the truth. He did this. Did you see that? Look at what he's thinking about. Look at, it, look at what he's allowing to come into his life. And it was actually the truth. And the good news about that is, is not only is Jesus an uh, intercessor, but he's also an advocate. An advocate. The Bible says in 1 John, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. God does not want us to sin. He wants us to avoid that. He wants us to stay away from it. And if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the advocate, not only the intercessor, but the advocate that goes before God. Scott Borland did this. Don't you see what he's doing down there? Well, yes, but... It's covered by the blood. It's been taken care of. Satan cannot condemn me. I have passed from death unto life. And though I may sin and fail, and sometimes his accusation could even be true, Jesus Christ, the righteous, is my advocate. So, how does all this apply to us? How do I take that and, and grab it and bring it into my own life? Well, first, you might be like Job. You might be a person that, though imperfect, is truly serving God, truly living a very righteous life, truly seeking to do the things that God has asked you to do. And if so, the suffering that you're experiencing doesn't maybe seem to make sense. Why am I going through this? After all, I'm trying to do what's right. In fact, a lot of times people mess up and throw their hands up and say, Lord, I, I've been trying to serve you. I've been trying to live righteously. Why am I going through this? And I'm just going to give up. And they fail in that moment where, as we have an example in Job, that he carried on. He carried on. And so if that's the situation for you and me, then what we've got to do is we've got to continue on in faithfulness Serving God because he's worthy. That, that, that Satan's accusation can't be true. Oh, just take all that stuff away from them, Lord, and they'll stop serving you. And in some people's lives, that is true, isn't it? Oh, Lord, just touch their health. I mean, if you, if you dare make them sick or make them struggle, then it's all over. They won't serve you anymore. But our lives need to say that is not true. I serve God because he's righteous and he's holy and he's worthy. And it doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter how much stuff I do or do not have. Though he slay me, Job said, yet will I trust him. 
Is that true in our life? We sang the song tonight. He gives and takes away. And yet, blessed be the name of the Lord. Maybe we're like Job. Maybe we're like Peter. And Satan has come after us and he's sought us and he's wanting to sift us like wheat and he got us. In the moment or for a period of time, we failed. We yielded. We let his dirty tricks drag us down. Maybe we were hurt. Maybe we felt like things weren't fair. Maybe we were afraid. Maybe we were selfish and just wanted our own thing. But Jesus has prayed for us that our faith would not fail. And may we, if that is the case, follow the lead of Peter and repent. I have failed, Lord. I have, I have gone the wrong direction, but I know that you've been praying for me. I know that you've been pulling for me. You've been interceding for me. And I'm coming back. I want to do what is right and what is pleasing to you. But here's the worst case scenario. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the worst case scenario. Because you see, Satan is going to be able to hurl accusation against those that don't know Christ and it be true. And he's going to be able to hurl accusation against those that don't know Christ. And because there's no faith, because there's no redemption, because there's no salvation, there's no advocacy. There's, there's no go-between. There, there's no one to take what he's saying and say, yeah, but I've made it right. You see, because that advocate that we talked about earlier in 1 John 2, 1, the reason that that's possible because of 1 John 2, 2, which says he's the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He's the propitiation. He's the, that's a big fancy word, isn't it? Propitiation. He's the atoning sacrifice. He's the only one, Jesus, that can make it right. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you got a problem. It's the same problem I got. You're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that problem means that something's got to happen in your life to get it corrected. Did you understand that the default destination of all humanity is hell? That's where you automatically go unless somebody changes the settings. And the only one that can change the settings is Jesus. That's the reason he died on the cross. That's the reason he was buried in the tomb. That's the reason he rose again, showing he had power over death and hell and the grave. It was because he wanted you to know, you don't have to die and go to hell. I can give you life. Resurrection life. I can give you eternal life. Abundant life. If 
You'll put your faith and trust in me and what I did. And that's how you change the settings. You put your trust in Jesus. You put your confidence in him. Doesn't have to be these exact words, but something like this. Lord, I know I've sinned and failed you. But I believe that you died for me. And I want to be forgiven. I want to be saved. I want things to be made right between me and God. So I put my trust in you and what you did for me on the cross, in the tomb, and in your resurrection. I accept you as my Savior. And guess what the Bible promises? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you haven't already been saved, that can be your story tonight. And then you'll have an intercessor. And you'll have an advocate in your life. Would you join me as we stand for a word of prayer?